It's seven o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? What's on your mind tonight? I mean, you know I'm going to tell you what's on mine. The landlord's here to visit. They're blasting disco down below. Says I'm double in the red because I'm building some dams. You're going to help me pass it all. Oh, we can. You know we can. Yes, welcome to another psychosemantic podcast. Uh, God, what is what is this the fourth fourth one we've done together? Or fifth? It was like many more. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like hundred or so. It feels. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're all aging horribly. <laughs> I guess I gotta, you guys got me up at the crack of noon for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Took you an hour to get up and turn on your your Xbox. Yeah, it's, it it takes a while. <laughs> Smoke that. What, what is this noise outside? Birds singing. <laughs> Fresh hell is this? Oh, there's uh, this light outside. <laughs> what is this? Strange? He's like a vampire. <laughs> he opened these cartons. He was like, suddenly <laughs> <laughs> outside. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not not used to all that. I'm not a I'm not a daywalker. He is not a daywalker. <laughs> always bet on black smoke. Always bet on black. Um, it's two different movies. Is always I'm trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> Some different one. We're slipping them all together. <laughs> Let's do like a Wesley Snipes only podcast. I'm, I'm down with fun. that. 
like we'll call it um, a uh, snippets of snipes. That works. That works. <laughs> there we go. I will. Uh, I've already recorded the the intro, and the time has taken us to have that silence there. That's a quick am with podcasting, <laughs> and it's been published to iTunes. There's uh there's something else on Netflix I want to get to soon though. I I just learned about. It's called American Vandal, I think. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't finished like, that, but I have a feeling you'll like it, Smoke. Oh, it's yeah. like one of the it's one of the wittiest funny things I have seen in ages because not only is it just like out and out hilarious, but it is like a satire on these documentaries while at the same time actually making a really good point about society. And I was like, this is working on like many, many levels for something that was basically done by is it college humor? I think is the the group behind it. Um, it was, it's, yeah. it's all about a guy who gets done for vandalizing cars with dick pics. Like it's hilarious. Yeah, that... like, they treat it like making a murderer. It's fucking a, a phenomenal. <laughs> you're, you're talking about uh, these commentaries on society and stuff, but I was sold on it, it just being a dick joke. <laughs> this is what I mean. Like, that's how I approached it, though. I approached it like that. This is going to be a dumb fucking show about like, <laughs> someone that me or me not have sprayed cocks on the sides of cars. This is going to be hilarious. And then by about the fourth or fifth episode, I, I found myself going. You know, there's actually like there's there's a surprising amount of social commentary in this. It's hidden in there. It's not like they're trying to beat you over the head with it. And by the end of it, I was like, they've done like a really, really, really good job on this show. Like better than I ever thought it would be. And took me on this nice wee journey. So um, yeah, it's a high recommend from me. Speaking yeah, about commentaries out. on society and the destruction of personal property, that's we a, are here to talk about <laughs> 1991's. Yes, Duncan. I know this is like your movie, so correct me every time that I am wrong. 1991's. Wrong. Huh? <laughs> wrong. Wrong. 92? Fake news. No, it is 1991. Oh, okay. <laughs> Written and directed by Ohio native uh, Wes Craven. The people under the Wes, stairs. Wes Craven, uh, people aren't familiar with him. He's most famous for being the director of uh, Music of the Heart. Yeah, Vampire in Brooklyn, I was going to say. Vampire in Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the wonderful rom-com star Eddie Murphy. <laughs> His scariest movie to date. Yeah, the movie that he made right after this, actually. Oh, was it? Eddie Vampire in Brooklyn right after The People Under the Stairs. Because uh... he was more comfortable like, he was more comfortable working with black, black actors after making this movie, apparently. So let's get Eddie Murphy in here. This is going to be great. We'll do a movie that's not quite sure if it's a comedy or not quite sure if it's a horror movie, and that explains that movie. <laughs> it's not not quite funny, not quite scary, not sure what it was. Yeah, this is, yeah, it came out November 1st, 91, and it's debuted at number one. It supplanted uh, another classic film uh, at number one called House Party 2 <laughs> <laughs> at the box office that week. <laughs> I think House Party Two was the uh, one of the foreign alternative titles for this movie. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it could be. <laughs> oh, I, I, I take that back. He actually made New Nightmare after People Under the Stairs, and then Vampire in Brooklyn, um... and then Scream. <laughs> like, what was going? What was going on in the early nineties in West Craven? Sounds like that. I'm gonna do this. Gonna do this. Uh, kind of urban sort of you know this urban. Uh, 
social political commentary horror movie thing and then you know what I'm go- I'm going to do a new Freddy movie I'm going to take it back I'm going to do this thing that's meta. People don't understand meta. I'm going to explain, right, that didn't really work. Right, I'm going to do this vampire comedy movie. Randy <laughs> Murphy, that one, no, no one's getting that. Right, I'm going to do this slasher movie. And everyone's like, yes, finally wins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beauty. Uh, and it's like, right, well, I'll do another one. And people are like, okay, then. And they did that third one, which is shite. So he was still, was he, when did he drop out of the Scream movies? Was it after he did the third one, or he did all of them? He did all four, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I definitely what, liked what, four what a little bit more than three, if I remember. Four's better than three. I actually think four might be better than two. I, I the, the older I'm getting, the more I think four is actually a really good movie. <laughs> uh, and when I saw it in the cinema, I hated it. Uh, but the longer we're getting into it, I think it, it, four has the potential to be like like very much better than two if they just killed off one of the main characters but they kind of pussied out of it um which two, they, i don't know yeah. was two the one with the uh bitch and creed song on the soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> uh it's possible um, the only creed, creed song i know is that arms wide open thing with arms wide open <laughs> only, only creed song i know is all of them he did <laughs> <laughs> which which will make sense when we finally do our Creed exclusive only podcast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, put <laughs> a stamp on it. That's what we're going to call it. Put a stamp on it. The Creed um, cast. We're just going to call it Stap It. Stap It. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I think um, that one with uh, What If is Scream 3. You know, the. Oh, that was. All right. Yeah, that's, that's Scream 3. I think Creed's on Scream 2 as well, though. <laughs> like Creed, just like, um, for, for a while there, early, kind of late 90s, early 2000s, well, that was how you've got a horror movie. You want a Creed song? Yeah, we've got, like, we've got plenty. <laughs> it's like, here, have this one. Um, what camp are you guys in on the uh, new nightmare? Like, for it or again it? Um, I, I like it. I don't think it's, like, you can, like, when you watch New Nightmare, you can see the blueprint for Scream. You know, he's, he's definitely, the, oh, the, yeah. the meta ideas and like the, the kind of, uh, the fact that you need to know your genre in order to survive sort of thing. It's all there. Um, I don't think it's a great movie though, but then I have been fairly vocal in that I think that there's really only three good Nightmare on Elm Street movies uh, <laughs> and new Nightmare's possible and the rest are bad. <laughs> so... <laughs> Not a franchise I can get behind. I, I don't know what it is. Um, and even then, I like my favourites are part three, then part two, then part one. Like <laughs> I prefer like the homoerotic part two over part one. Um, so it's not. I just don't. I'm, I'm more. A, I'm more a Jason man. So I. Uh, it took me a while to come around to part two. I feel like I liked part two before I liked Halloween three, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, It took me a lot longer to come around to that, but um, I'm in one of those weird places where, I mean, I love Wes Craven. He grew up, you know, maybe an hour from where I am right now and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I always give him a little bit more of a pat. And it's not like he hasn't made some great movies, but he's made, you know, we've talked about it. He's made Vampire in Brooklyn and things like that. Swamp Thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He made Swamp Thing, right? Literally, yeah. 
yeah, not a good movie. Made the Hills Have Eyes Part Two. Not yeah, a good movie. Not a good movie. <laughs> not a good movie. Um, he made what they call it. What was that one? Um, we spoke about it before. He made Cursed, which is shit, and My Soul to Take, which is such a bad movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he doing with his craving. And I, I don't, I haven't seen Deadly left. Friend in probably twenty years, so I don't remember. Is that the one where Christy Swanson blows up the mom from Goonies' head with a basketball? Yeah, one of the most iconic scenes in cinema history. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that all I really movie? remember from it. Were you saying smoke? Is that is that the robot movie? Huh? Or am I thinking about Deadly Friend? Um, I think I'm thinking uh, of something completely yeah, different. They have robotic like chips in their brain controlling them, so they're not quite robots, but they're being controlled robotically. If that makes sense. They're like androids or cyborgs. I'm not sure where the line is. She's fantastic. Made of plastic, microchips here and there. She's the small wonder, brings love and laughter everywhere. But yeah, I like more Friday the 13th movies than I like Nightmare on Elm Street, but I was always more of a Freddy person. Uh, it was a weird, weird line to walk. But yeah, I would watch the Friday the 13th series all the way through before I watched all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, I would say. Uh, Friday, yeah, the Friday the 13th series is the only one that I can watch all the way through. Like, I can, you could not pay me to go back through the Halloween franchise again. <laughs> uh, and I think the same with, with Nightmare on Elm Street and the same with Hellraiser. Massacre. And Hellraiser, yes, Hellraiser as well. There's a couple of those ones that are duds, like really, really, really bad movies. Um, I can watch all of those except six through nine. I, just, I never want to revisit those ever again in my life. Yeah, part, part, parts one through five, three is questionable. I, 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 I can't quite get behind three. That, that, that last half an hour, <laughs> like, like CD Cenobite is just as rough. That's a rough watch. Um, but that being said, I think part four is a ton of fun. Bloodlines is like is very over the top, uh, and part five I think is a really great. <laughs> I actually really like part five. Um, yeah, part part five I think is it's at least the third best. I think. I think you might be right. Yeah, I think you might be right. I might go. I might say that it, it's hard for me with part four and five, but yeah, I would lean into five. I think because. Yeah. It's just a it's just a fun story, and to me, it kind of that's what you were supposed to do with that franchise. You were supposed to like it was the last one that really had someone undertaking a journey to get the box. You know what I mean? After that, it was always like, oh, I'm a drug addict, and here's the box. <laughs> oh, I want to hurt someone, and here's the box. You know, just shitty things like that. It's the last one that really has this idea of being completely tormented, and um, I forget what's his. Who was his face that's in that that movie? Guy from Nightbreed. Um, uh, was it Craig Craig Schiffer? Schiffer? That's it. Yeah. Craig Schiffer. It's brilliant in that movie. He's fucking awesome in that movie. Yeah, that was Kung Fu Cowboys. Kung yes, Fu Cowboys. Sir, Smoke. You should check out the episode Duncan and I did on this movie over on uh, oh. the podcast Under the Stairs. You were on that I one. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I listened to that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was yeah. That was did my the, debut uh... over Under the Stairs. It was like two parts of the whole retrospective, I think. Three parts. Oh, three. not a cycle, Smoke. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> two parts. Let's need nine movies. Um, 
at the risk of bringing this back to Wes Craven, though, uh, uh, see, when you're speaking about Wes Craven, right, to me, he's one of the few directors who is a master of horror, right, um, that literally released a movie almost every single decade of his professional career that reinvents the genre, right? So you get Last House on the Left, early 70s, kind of sets the blueprint template for this kind of almost kind of rape revenge exploitative sort of grindhouse cinema and you jump into the 80s you get you know freddy krueger's icon of a generation you jump into the 90s you get scream which once again redefines how slasher movies are 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 done um and then when you jump into the 2000s i i i he kind of loses it there, but up until that point, I can't think of many directors that can define a decade with, with, with movies like that. That's not to say... I mean, John Carpenter's got better movies overall, um, but when it comes to like, the 90s, you could argue to an extent Mouse of Madness is like a, well, a fucking great movie, but it didn't exactly set the world on fire, um, and, and Craven did that like three decades in a row. And I think at times people focus on those movies and as a result, a movie like People Under the Stairs um, <laughs> suffer because people just overlook it as this goofy bit of cinema. It's this goofy 90s horror movie. And it kind of is, but it's kind of not at the same time. Um, I think it's not given enough credit for some of the cool things it actually does in this movie. There are certain bits in this movie that I still think are quite, not not terrifying, but have this are quite unsettling to watch. Whether it's you know a guy running around in a gimp suit shooting <laughs> with a shotgun through walls trying to kill a kid, um, or you know seeing the, the the kind of abuse that's portrayed on the 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 the, the girl who's you know kept captive, um, or just how demented uh the woman is in this movie there's a there's this great scene and we're obviously getting to more details later on but there's this great scene towards the end where she's in the kitchen and she turns around and um she as she's kind of swinging her head around she uh she sees alice and she lifts this knife and lets out this ear piercing scream and then runs down the hall with a fucking giant kitchen knife <laughs> trying to butcher her and i'm just like there are st- there are certain shots, right, there is a bit where a dog slides down a chimney um, <laughs> and knocks over a guy. That's a bit goofy. But that's Wes Craven. You take the good with the bad. Good with the bad. Hey, you mentioned the gimp suit. This this movie was several years ahead of the curve and then it had the gimp suit and Ving Rhames in it before <laughs> Pulp Fiction several oh, years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah this, this came out. Ripped the shit off. Well, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that Tarantino is borrowed from another film. Borrowed is the good word, yes. We like borrowed. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what? We got Brandon Adams as Fool. Fool! Fool! <laughs> uh, Everett McGill and Wendy Robbie, or Roby. Is it Robbie? I think it's Robbie, yeah. Um, is as it, is it man, woman, or daddy, yeah. mommy. Yeah, they they literally Twin Peaks came out the year before this, so they must have once again Wes Craven. Either they had the same agent, or Wes Craven had watched Twin Peaks and was like, "That yeah, give me them, <laughs> give, give give me them, both of them." And um, they're not 
too dissimilar from their parts in Twin Peaks, if you know what I mean. Everett McGill plays the kind of very serious stalwart sort of guy, and when Wendy Robbie plays an eccentric madwoman, um, with a good scream. Yeah, you can scream. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the only thing that's missing is the eye patch. <laughs> Where if this movie went on any further and was stretched out, I'm sure she would have lost an eye. <laughs> Work that into the maybe that maybe David Lynch called up uh, Wes Craven. I was like, listen up. If you steal my eye thing, I'll fucking kill you. Wes, Wes Craven would be legitimately scared of David Lynch because David Lynch made a razor head, mm-hmm. and that's enough to be terrified of anyone. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, the eraser head guy's phoning up to threaten you, right? We better take this guy serious because he's still to put a lost highway and fuck up a generation. Um, so, uh, yeah. You've got um, A.J. Langer as Alice. Oh, as Alice. Big Bing Reeves as Leroy. <laughs> that, uh, the Alice girl, she was in My So-Called Life. Mm-hmm. That's right. As, as uh, Claire Dane's sidekick, I guess. I don't know, it's been forever since I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen that. It was, I don't know, it was, it was a good like teen show at the time. It had Jared Leto, I think. That's right. Yeah, that's where, oh, he, came that where he came from. Yeah, I guess Pretty he actually came from his mom's, mom's badge, but <laughs> continue. <laughs> well, that was much earlier in his career before he joined the Screen Actors Guild. Yeah, yeah, he uh, crawled out of there first. He crawled out. And he was like, "Wee, He was like, "It's a beautiful life." <laughs> like this guy's gonna be a star. One day, this kid will be a terrible Joker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still haven't seen uh, the Suicide Squad. I've I've oh. probably watched uh, all most of the Margot Robbie scenes, but I've not seen the movie. Did you watch him in slow mo? See, uh, you know what? I I didn't mind the Suicide Squad. You want to know why? Because I don't like comic books. <laughs> like, so <laughs> for me, it was not offensive in any way, shape, or form. To everyone else, hugely offensive. I was just like. Uh. I was yelling at the screen like, this is not part of the canon. Yeah, there was honestly, there was someone behind me in the cinema complaining, you know, uh, about, I can't remember who Will Smith's character is. It's, like, it's not Bill's Eye, but something like that. Trick shot or some, some witty gun reference thing. Super uh, shot crosshair. Yeah, I remember him going that. His character wouldn't do that. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed. I similarly don't really. I the like all the comic books I read are usually would probably be in the alternative section or whatever the fuck. Uh, Porn. I got you. I've got you. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, stuff like my friend Dahmer is it, and uh, he's into hentai. Yeah. Oh, hentai. <laughs> not the not adult in... section, smoke. That's where you. It's twenty seventeen. Who's not into hentai? <laughs> That's True. old school. Yeah. Mm. No effects has songs about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I love about the, our appearances on this show is how very quickly we go away from the the planned movie discussion. We're like that, but we, it takes us ages to find the movie, and then we're like, "Yeah, I can't wait to talk about this movie." And then very quickly we sidetrack and don't talk about it. <laughs> I love that. It's a format I can get behind. It's incidentally uh, reviewing a movie whilst chatting about other things. <laughs> yeah. I, like I mean, 
you know where to go for the straight up movie reviews. You come here for yeah. the train wreck. <laughs> was it last time we discussed uh, Rob Zombie's Thirty One for a good half hour? Or so? <laughs> we actually reviewed that movie in the middle of the episode. Yeah. Um, I think we actually spent more time talking about that than we did about the movie we were supposed to be talking about. When um, Rob Zombie's Halloween uh, scenes were filmed on the set, like this house, this this in this movie. Look at the big brain on Chris. He's like, I've read some things. <laughs> I know some stuff. I got, I got the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if, God, what was um, your first experience with the people under the stairs? I will uh, happily acquiesce to uh, your demands to let smuggle first. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think I saw it, must have been a couple of years after it was released or so on, I think I'd run on VHS as a kid. And then, uh, but I, I, to be honest, I didn't really remember that much about it. So this was kind of like almost like a watching it for the first time, almost. Together again for the first time. We've only met in a dream. Like Ginger and Freddy, McDonald and Eddie. Like Sandman and Teddy. Or Beeples and Spaghetti. But the pair that we cry for. Oh, you haven't seen it since you were a wee a wee fella. Yeah, when I when I first seen it, I, it didn't really do anything for me. I don't if I remember correctly. <laughs> it didn't then, drive you to go get a full body leather suit. No, that was different things that led to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that that was that was my first experience, which not not a great story there but but that was <laughs> that's what i remember about it i'm trying to think my mm, my first experience similar to smoke actually i got this on vhs I used to go to the video store when i was staying at my dad's every third week of the month Um we would go out and like from about the age of nine i was allowed to kind of pick like one or two horror movies to take back um and i think this movie had just come out so that would have been if it made cinemas in 91 then you're probably talking very late 92 early 93 by the time it would have been out on vhs in the uk and i remember getting it purely once again like most of us did as kids in vhs stores because of the absolutely incredible front cover like the front cover to this movie is bitching um you've got that the, the house with the, the skeleton coming out through the, the uh, clouds, and you've got that, in every neighborhood, there is one house that adults whisper about and children cross the street to avoid. Now, Wes Craven, creator of A Nightmare on Elm Street, takes you inside the people under the stairs. And, I, you know, like, I, I remember, I must have seen trailers for this movie as well, because I, I very much remember the trailer for this, this movie, and... um. I must have watched this about two or three times on that one rent that we had. You know, this is almost back to back. And there was something that that kind of creeped me out about the movie. Not scaring me, but just kind of creeping me out. It's, it's not a... Even... There is no real hero in this movie, like, at all. And I think that's kind of Wes Craven's point, to, to an extent. 
um, is that people that are pushed to do these things are are almost forced that way by society when you when you take away the ability to once again get political here when you take away the ability to earn a living when you take away the ability to have a livelihood when you take away the ability to care for your family you will be pushed to extreme measures to do so i.e theft um and like if you uh if you take out the fact that the uh that the couple are incestuous, kid murderous kidnappers. <laughs> <laughs> then, then it's basically like a home invasion robbery movie. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, that's it's like it's a home invasion robbery movie where someone accidentally comes across something nasty in the basement. That movie has been done loads. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that right? movie has been like you know, like uh, most recently last year. Don't breathe. Well, it wasn't yeah, don't breathe. Wasn't it? it was don't uh, breathe. It, it reminded me. Yeah, of that. It's, well, you know, it's the same setup. Um, what what kind of twist is is you know, like you say is the fact that they make the more we find out about um, man and woman in this movie, the more skeevy it gets. And <laughs> I, you know, I, and a lot of it went over my head when I was a kid. You know, I didn't get the incest thing. Um, I didn't get the full extent of the torture that was being done to these people under the stairs. Um, but no one's really a good guy in this movie. Like, you're supposed to really sympathise with Phil, but Phil breaks into someone's house to steal something, which kind of makes him a bad guy. Yes, circumstances have pushed him that way, but he's still breaking the law. So, you know what I mean? It's kind of difficult for me to say, yeah, they're going to stand by Phil. Um and everyone's kind of like that in this movie. And I, I get the, the... The older I get, the more I see in what he was doing with his commentary. But as a kid, it's just a fucking fun movie. It's just this... It's like Home Alone minus the paint tins, you know, falling <laughs> to the ceiling. It's, you know, it's this little kid running about the place being chased by two adults. Oh, uh, yeah, I, get, are... I got the Home Alone vibe heavy in this. Like, uh, yeah. like the... <laughs> The dad, uh, whatever, the brother, the dad slash brother. Call him yep. daddy. You know you want He's to. called man. Man. It's just man and woman. That's their, their names. Yeah. In the, yeah. <laughs> he gets he gets hit in the head like 50 goddamn times. Yeah. Movie. A dog so, hits him. Like a dog slides down a shit and crashes in him. And he's like, why you? Fush, 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 fush. He gets <laughs> hit in the head. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, he, he gets hit in the head with the top of a toilet. And then yep. a brick gets dropped down a chimney. Yep, that, which, would, that, which would kill a motherfucker which, at least. A brick gets dropped down a chimney and hits him, which you know Home Alone too clearly stole. Yes, very much. So. <laughs> clearly stole that. But yeah, that's that's what it is. It's this weird, goofy kind of Wes Craven trying to do something. Like, like if you take this into context, like this movie doesn't feel like a nineties movie. It feels like an eighties movie, um, and that's because most of the work for the movie was done in the eighties. It was a story that Wes Craven had been writing and crafting from the eighties. Um, Craven had come off doing so like Shocker he did before this one, um, and Shocker is like one of the quintessential over the top eighties movies. <laughs> and then. He, you know what I mean? They went right into doing the people under the stairs. It kind of feels like a hangover from the ease. It has like all that campness and goofiness that you associate with really late 80s horror. It's the reason that horror kind of went uh, went away, so to speak, 
uh, in terms of how people classified movies or people's interests in the very early 90s. It was movies like that. So it kind of feels like this weird oddity to arrive out at the beginning of the 90s. That being said, if you're a kid watching this movie, it's just a fucking ton of fun. Um, and then, like I say, the older you get, the more you start to examine it, the more you can start to say, well, actually, Wes Craven, uh, you are making a kind of interesting point here. Uh, right, granted, it's a bit silly to get to that point, but there are interesting things there. So I think if, in terms of an answer, coming back to your question, the longest answer in history, <laughs> um, coming back to your question, my first experience of this would have been, I would have been like early, early teens. I would have been maybe, what, 13, 14 um, and watching this movie and just having a ball with it very much like I did with a lot of those late 80s movies that were just cheesy, cheesy, cheesy movies that you could get behind. Um, and it's one that I revisited quite a lot um, as a youngin, and then didn't watch it for the vast part of the late 90s, most of the 2000s, um, until it came out on Blu-ray, um, I think it was like 2012 ish maybe 2013 about that time and it arrived mere weeks uh, before i decided that i wanted to start my own horror podcast and uh, the rest is history <laughs> i i was hoping you had seen the movie before given the name of your show but yeah you know. <laughs> in fairness there was a huge list of of a uh, podcast horror titles that i had written down and that was the one that i kept coming back to <laughs> so we, we had like house of a thousand podcasts um the texas podcast massacre you know like all these things there was a huge list of them but the the podcast under the stairs just don't know something something groovy about that title and it's, it's been with us ever since it just rolls off the tongue like sweet candy into our ears yeah, and the fact that when like my first appearance on the Midnight Horror Show, uh, I'd only been podcasting for maybe about five months, and that episode still exists somewhere. I don't know if it's up online or that. I still <laughs> have a copy of it, but um, I have I, I appear on there as a guest, uh, and Danny is like, "Do you just really like this movie? I mean, you've you like because the the cover artwork for the podcast was basically this. <laughs> it was the, the it was the artwork <laughs> for the movie." And I just, I just airbrushed out the people under the stairs and wrote the podcast under the stairs. They <laughs> <laughs> literally just like ripping off everyone. And um, I was just like, oh, no, I was really lazy. I just thought once I named it that, um, I kind of thought it just made sense to use the, <laughs> the cover art um, instead of doing something different. Yeah, as as weird as weird. When did you first see it, Darren? Are you like what? Was you, you like a? Was this a VHS back in the day? Oh yeah, definitely. It was. Uh, you and I are about the same age. Mm -hmm. Um. So, but being in the states, I think it came out sooner on VHS. Have, yeah. So I was probably twelve or thirteen when I first saw it. My uh, older sister rented it for one of her like sleepover things. Well, um, it was all about. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my, my older sister got it. And, uh, I think my dad just suggested, he's like, Hey, why don't you watch that before, uh, you know, we take it back. And I thought it was pretty cool. You know, like you said, when you're younger, you don't know, like I thought the gimp suit was just his scary guy outfit, you know, <laughs> and protection against mm -hmm. bites. 
because uh, <laughs> <laughs> also it, I think, it kind of is yeah you know the the younger you are i think the scarier the uh the children under the stairs are <laughs> seem to be you know the uh, the older you get the more if there is a sympathetic character it is the abused children um that are trapped in the house but i mean god they scared the shit like roach roach used to scare the shit out of me i forget who played that dude is dude's ugly as sin (laughs) (laughs) oh no not the roach no but he's in a he's in a lot of things yeah sean sean whelan yes yeah um yeah sean whelan who's yeah, he's in so many different things. He's got that interesting look that I think is good for a movie. You know, he stands out. I think he could have. He looks played... like uh, Ryan McPoyle on, the, uh, <laughs> on It's Always Sunny. Oh, he's right. old teeth. He's literally old teeth. That's that's the the, the issue. Is this very? His face looks like a skeleton. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> it's like his <laughs> lips are not quite there, and it works. But the fact that you kind of get introduced to him, and one of the first things, sh- one of the first things he shows you is his missing tongue, and he's just like, "Ah, <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? I'm a- what? Um, yeah, the, the, those like what I love about that is that you have him run the boat looking like that, but basically all the people under the stairs look like Pearl Jam stunt double. <laughs> they all are dressed in like grunge they're all grunge like stunt doubles uh, that are down there there's one of them is walking around that looks like uh you know a kind of malnourished kurt cobain um and i'm sure any how's that back. different from regular kurt cobain <laughs> <laughs> more Even human more flesh more. less heroin yeah <laughs> so yeah it's like that yeah, it's, that's what I think is interesting about the movie is that when you start to think about what's actually going on in the story, and not just what you're seeing on the screen, the implications of what you're seeing on the screen, uh, that's when the movie. That's when you start to realize this movie is messed up as fuck. <laughs> like really, it's like you see, it's like this. Uh, right, so there's a brother and sister sleeping together. Right, that's incest. That happens, I suppose. Um, and oh, right, they they have this right. This kind of daughter which they right they burn her and and hot baths when she misbehaves and punish her um right i can kind right well that's not nice but you know maybe they're harsh parents and all right and then they kidnap kids and mutilate them and then feed them the bodies of people and the right that's kind of fucked up and yeah and the more bit. you yeah the more you go through it the more it starts to and uh, Underneath all that is this idea that they are deliberately putting the rent up in this building to get people out so they can put in more, um, how do you say this, more um, appealing sort of tenants, i.e. white people, um, which is the, you know, the, which is also happening in this movie. So it's, there's a lot going on. Wes Craven at times can be a very deft sort of writer and, you know, very much straight to the point. And at other times, I feel he likes to just throw a lot of shit at the wall to see what sticks. <laughs> and the people under the stairs is that movie. There are so many little bits and bobs like that are going on. Um, and the and it, like Smoke said, in any other movie, this is just... 
this is almost like four movies in one. This is four different stories that would have been whole movies themselves in one movie for no reason at all. Um, and it's why I kind of love it because every time I sit and watch it, I find myself enjoying a different bit of the movie more. So this is my new favourite bit. And then the next time I'm like, no, this is my new favourite bit. Um, and that happens every time I watch it. And I can't think of many movies that I am like that with. Yeah, I I found out I'm I'm like that with RoboCop, also. RoboCop. Um, I hadn't thought oh, about RoboCop. that um, until I did the Kit Powers uh, RoboCop show, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, uh, this one definitely the, one of the things that stood out to me more this time than any other was going into Craven's commentary on class warfare and wealth disparity and everything is that the man and woman uh, were sort of hoarding their money like uh-huh. dragons and not they, using they, it. And everything was just collecting dust. They had it like, like it was Scrooge McDuck pile of money. Yeah. In the, <laughs> in the house. With with their dynamite, you know, the key to their destruction is their greed, sort of yeah. thing. Why why was there dynamite there? I, I think I missed that point. <laughs> um, Alice said, and did you notice that Alice has a painting of the white rabbit in her bedroom? Oh yes. <laughs> um, she said that he had the whole house wired with explosives, but didn't say why, as far as I can yeah. tell. Because he's a just free a... man. Right? He's a it's free a... American. Like, just a plot come, device. Come for my guns, motherfucker. I'll blow this building up sky high. <laughs> Ain't taking my <laughs> shotgun off me. The... I guess we should get there right now. But the, fin- the finale of this movie, I just thought was ridiculous. <laughs> of course. like The finale of this movie is not, it's not just ridiculous. It's irresponsible as fuck. <laughs> well, they basically let these cannibals out, and it's like, yeah, the can. And one of them turns around and gives a little wave, and you're like, no, you're gonna eat people. <laughs> like, oh, please, oh, and, oh earlier, <laughs> earlier, like Fool had told the guy, like, hey, there's a sun out there. There's, oh, and there's girls. Yeah. Like this, like this guy, these guy, any of these guys, these feral. Hell, guys are gonna be able to get girls on the outside. I mean, yeah, how, they're in LA. How far will. are they from the uh, Hollywood Boulevard? They might have. Yeah, smoke. I think they will. I just don't think it will be consensual smoke. <laughs> yeah, like once the uh, house blows up and there's there's rap music playing and is is literally they're making it rain on the street. <laughs> the uh the the feral people under the stairs like that guy he doesn't even grab any of the money which he will need if he's wanting to get any of these girls looking like that (laughs) well you know people under the stairs part two was all about them doing their book tours and cashing in Uh, all right this makes Uh, sense now yeah Yeah. it was them it was them starting their own artisan ipa brewery And um, then, you know, moving forward with this like, distinct idea of what they were going to do to become millionaires and play into the capitalist system. I like it. Starting from nothing. Listen, if anything about the American dream has taught us, and we can all rely on this, that even someone that's been locked up under the stairs and force-fed people can make it in America. 
to be the CEO of his own tech startup company, bought out by Google and retired at 27. Pulled up by their own bootstraps. <laughs> but then, yeah, so you've got that, but then not only have you got that, you've got this, oh yeah, so we've got some gold coins, this will be the miracle cure for cancer. It's like, <laughs> what? What the actual fuck? It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, we need to finish this cancer story. Um, let's just, yeah, he's got, he's got money now to cure it. <laughs> oh, he ends up with enough money to buy buy his mom a Cadillac for each foot. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? And pay his rent just... for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Dude, that, yes. that sounds like poor planning right there. Well, if you've got enough money to pay rent for 10 years, buy a house. Yeah, this is, there <laughs> you go. There you go. And then start buying more property and then start raising the price so people will move out so you can get your own kind of tenants in there and then the cycle repeats. A vicious, vicious cycle. That is the people <laughs> under the stairs. <laughs> it's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. But yeah, it's, it's nonsense. It's, like, it's an absolute nonsense ending. And that's because uh, Wes Craven has a very strong idea of what he wants to put forward in this movie, but then totally realises that he needs a kind, he needs a happy ending kind of <laughs> so he's like he's like i need to finish this shit show how do i do this now right well i'm just like yeah the kids under the stairs escape and they're free and yeah and there's a miracle cure for cancer with gold coins and uh <laughs> yeah everyone lives happily I like ever how after. like how ving rames ving rames like towards the beginning he's like he's like a doctor can go in there and just pull it right out but you ain't got the money for it or i was like no i don't i don't think they yeah. just they just reach in and pull it out. <laughs> that's that's not how that works, Ving Rhames. Um, <laughs> just saying, like, like Leroy has some of the greatest lines in this. Like Leroy says to Phil, a child, that he is too old for the titty and too young for the ass. Um, <laughs> just like, and then the family allows uh, the family allows Phil to go away with this pimp. He is a pimp in this movie. Let's him go away with this pimp to rob a house. Preparing? Question mark. <laughs> um, you know well, what I mean? It's like, but once again, it's this: the mother doesn't have time to be there. The grandfather's sick. They can't, you know, she's working jobs she doesn't want to work. Get money to help the family out because there's no jobs. They tickered you yeah, to turn it off. So you know what I mean? It's uh, like there's all that. So it's Wes Craven. <laughs> Doing that, however, you could argue that Wes Craven maybe is being slightly racist and <laughs> what he's doing here because she's I, a black I woman, this so well. of course you know she's a black woman, so of course she's walking the streets and Bing Rames, of course he's a pimp because that you know that that's how that would be and um, you know there's, there's... And, and the whole movie's about uh, black people who can't pay the rent and go to rob people. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yep, and the, the 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 villains in this movie are the White Devil. Um, so like, uh, you know, this old, older kind of money hungry white establishment. That's that's you know, it, it's yeah. So there's that as well. Um, the white white people are rich uh, sister fuckers that kidnap people. <laughs> yeah, kind of almost sounds like a goddamn conspiracy. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, I think so is Alex Jones breaking through. Brothers and sisters sleeping together in houses, collecting money from people that are disenfranchised. 
you know, they're doing things to harm them. They're a bunch of pedophiles burning their children, feeding them other people. And, you know, they're putting chemicals in the water. Turn the friggin' frogs gay! <laughs> I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay! Do you understand that? Turn, turn the, the friggin', friggin frogs, frogs gay! Serious crap! Gay! Frogs friggin' frogs! Bam. It's not funny! I'm gonna say it real slow for you. Did you guys see the uh, the last rant, the one I, I'd sent the other day? I have not. I thought was that a parody? No, is it real rant? No, it is really him. He's uh. What's he saying? Uh, apparently, there's a I don't know if it's a program or just it's uh like drag queens. They're going to I guess libraries or something. They're, they're reading stories to children. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've seen it's that. To, uh, I guess like is to familiarize, you know, kids with. With alternative lifestyles and whatnot, but uh, Alex Jones is like they're dressing like goddamn demons. <laughs> well, he doesn't say that. But they're dressing like demons out there, and they're trying to trying to have their way with your children. Like, well, that's not actually what's happening, but uh, then he's he, really lo- he's really lost it, by the way. Uh, at like, the at the end of this, at the end of this clip, he he picks up his chair and just throws it. <laughs> like, wow. yeah, he's he's really he's like. You want to know why he's lost it? Because he got what he wanted, and now he has nothing to rally against. So he's just clutching. He's like, he has nothing to rally against. He can't rally against the, you know, can't rally against the the CIA anymore. He can't rally against the FBI anymore because these are all under, you know, Republican control, under Trump control. Because he's not a Republican under Trump control. Well, he, so he really hated George Bush. Yeah, he, he, there's nothing. Yeah, he's he, no, he's definitely. That's one thing. Like. I would say, you know, he, this guy is not a Republican. Um, he's principled and he's crazy. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Supporting his, his crazy guy who's now in charge of everything. So at that level, he can't, you know, he, he, he can't complain about his guy. So he has to literally complain about anything, anything that's out there and pretend that someone has spilled scalding coffee on him <laughs> in a Seattle street. It's like, oh, it's, Yeah. As, as he's he's ramped up. He's like, remember Glenn Beck did the same thing for a while though. Glenn Beck became like Glenn Beck was crazy. never at this level. <laughs> no, because Glenn Beck Glenn Beck reached a certain level and it was like that. I passed the baton off to you, Alex Jones, <laughs> and he kind of. But Glenn Beck's starting to get a wee bit crazy again though. Like some of the stuff he's come out with recently is a wee bit. Uh, really, we're going back down that road. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've been down this road before, Glenn. Maybe it's time to rally it back. Um, but yeah, like he's he's lost it. He's he's totally lost it. It's theatre for him now. It's oh, that's all he has is theatre. He can't put forward the valid point because uh, it's theatre. Has to be theatre. Um, and yeah, it turns out a lot of people in America like watching theatre. So, <laughs> except for regular theatre. <laughs> yes, except for the actual theatre. 
or you know where thespians who are Hollywood elites um, standing on the stage actually acting because we don't like them. Don't like them. Although yeah. in saying that, in fairness, I'm kind of going off a lot of Hollywood folk. I don't think you should be. I don't think an actor should tell you how to vote. You know what I mean? Because like oh, anyone no, can become an actor, that doesn't qualify you to be like the foremost expert in politics. And I'm wary about shit like that. Anyone I'm also wary about the fact with... that, that, that here comes a Duncan rant. I'm also wary that um, the media was very, very, very happy to persecute Trump for saying, you know, I, you know, I'll punch these people that protest at my, you know, at my rallies. You know, get them out. You know, the good old days, you'd punch them in the face. Knock the crap out of them, would you? Seriously. this doesn't happen because they used to treat them very very rough and when they protested once you know they would not do it again so easily like to punch him in the face i'll tell you i love the old days you know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this they'd be carried out on a stretcher folks that's true knocking hell out of that big well the next time we see him we might have to kill him in the good old days, they'd rip him out of that seat so fast. In the good old days, law enforcement acted a lot quicker than this. A lot quicker. And, you know, everyone seemed to, seemed to condemn that. But everyone seems to be fine with Robert De Niro saying he'd punch the president in the face. Everyone's like, yay, Robert, yay. <laughs> really? Isn't that just the same thing? And when did Robert De Niro say that? I missed that. He said it about six times. <laughs> like, do a little bit of research, dude. Like, like, type that into Google. He said more than once that he would punch the president in the face. Like, and people are people like, are... yay! How's that different? It's not different. People are more likely to condemn violence when it's something they don't agree with. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? It's, it should just be like... non-violence across the board. That's how it should be. You can't, you can't advocate one and then like you know, go against another. Yeah. And without without putting myself on the shit list for this show, um, like this whole punch a Nazi thing, I, I don't agree with that. <laughs> like they're they're horrible horrible people, right? Um, and yes, I don't I don't I don't agree with anything they say, but I don't think random people should go up on the street and just punch them in the face. I don't think that. Where's the dialogue? Yeah. And how does that solve anything? I think it stems. It stems from this uh, this new idea that. Words are violence. So yeah, they be met with violence. That's but that's it's, ludicrous. It is, it is ludicrous. I, I I don't get it. I I don't understand it. I don't understand how people can be. And I, I'm condemning both sides on this. Um, how they can be fine advocating, you know, that they're being persecuted on one side with violence on one thing, but then almost celebrate the other side having violence enacted upon them. I, I don't think, I, you know, it's, I, I don't think it's right. I, I, I think it's irresponsible for people to celebrate that. And, you know, it, it turns me off just as much as hearing Trump, like Trump speech, you know, which really does turn me off like that. Like every time that man opens his you mouth. You don't get a hard on? No, no, ne- never, no. never. Not even <laughs> a twitch smoke. But anything that goes inwards, I end up with a mangina. Um, <laughs> you know, like it goes from being an outie to an innie. Um, but yeah, like you go from hearing him talk, which it does. It turns me like I physically feel sick when I hear him talk, 
I, I, he's nauseating and it's horrible and everything he says is just vile. Um, and then on the, you know, but what nauseates me just as much is people advocating violence. <laughs> like, I don't get yeah. Or celebrating violence. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. It's this weird, weird world in which we live in now. Like you say, smoke where, like, it, you know, words are weapons, so fists are weapons, so everything's a weapon, so let's use weapons. Um, well, it's, it's basically a roundabout uh, made-up logic where people try to try to justify visiting violence upon people with ideas they don't like. Yeah. Well, but you could say anything. I mean, if we go into the freedom of speech, that's just protecting you from censorship from the government. But people yeah. can say anything. But if I walked up to you and said, fuck you, I want you to die, I might get punched in the face. Yeah, but that's your choice. That... I don't yeah, think people that's... should roam around just like jumping people and beating them with truncheons because of yeah. thoughts they have. Yeah, but if you if you if someone come up to you and said "fuck you" and you punched them in the face, I don't think the internet should then celebrate the fact that you punched someone in the face. I think, and that's that's I... what's happened. People that don't have context for anything are just they like the idea of violence happening against something they don't believe in or something that offends them. And that's not how you solve things. How you solve things is dialogue. Dialogue solves everything. Like, it really, really does. Like, see, when people sit down and discuss things out properly and intellectually, you will find that there is always common ground in everything. And that's how you build relationships. Um, oh, That's you, how that works. Did you guys see the... I'm sure you did because I saw it everywhere. There were two one, two things that... Uh, that came up. There was the uh, the anti-Trump protesters at the Trump rally allowed to speak video. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did see that. It was, uh, yeah. And the very much more recently, there was, I think, the, the last viral Nazi punching. Before that happened, a black activist uh, reached out and gave the dude a hug and asked him, why do you hate me? And yeah. the dude said, I don't know. Uh, those are the two more I think that was, that was the one, because I, I remember seeing the picture, um, what's that old quote, like, those to their ability to those in need, and they yeah. put the those to their ability over the fist and the Nazi yeah. face. <laughs> like, not, like, I, I, I always like a, stress that I'm not, I, like, at no point am I saying that Nazis, <laughs> um, which, once again, that's a weird thing to say as well, because, like... Somebody like, came up and they they had punched uh, Richard Spencer. Yeah, again. And, uh, no, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess this was a while back. But then, the thing was, I had never heard of Richard Spencer until this yeah. happened. So then yeah. now he's and then he's all over the news and he's interviews and it, like like yeah. it it kind of just gave him a bigger platform. Well, it's yeah, a little bit of both. Speaking of political theater, there's definitely been a thing that Spencer's been doing where uh, very recently he had this big free speech rally thing that he had planned somewhere. Yeah, and he announced the, all the these big campus. speakers. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. He had all these speakers that he announced. And then actually most of the bigger speakers, uh, people like, uh, like Ann Coulter um, and stuff like that, <laughs> were like, I had no she idea. Was, I didn't know that like, I was going to be there. there. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's like I I had I was never gonna be at the thing, and then he announces that the the lefty liberals have shut him down and ruined his rally. 
very similarly yeah. to, uh, you know, I, both. I hate saying, but I wish we had more than two viable parties in this fucking country. I wish but we had none. I know. Two <laughs> is too, too many. I, I know. You, I know you do smoke. <laughs> Watch it burn. <laughs> Bring it all down. <laughs> like, but on the flip side of that, right? My my country has more than two parties. Um, it has. I think my parliament's actually currently made up of five political parties. Um, and of those, they are all variations of left and right. Yeah. You know, some some are more centrist, but they are all variations of left and right. Um, and you tend to find that. When that happens, the left never really works with the right. Um, all the left-leaning parties all work together to push forward their agenda, and all the right-leaning parties kind of work together to push their agenda. Um, I think the the issue is that when Americans talk about left and right, you talk about extremities of left and right. You don't talk about actual left-leaning politics or right-leaning politics. You talk about the extreme, so it's it's left wing liberals, um. So you know, by by instantly putting this liberals tag on there, you you are you're extending that beyond what actual left leaning politics is, you know, encapsulates, and then it's it's right leaning, you know, conservatives or Nazis or all the rest, uh, you know, and they start going that way and all these things. It becomes as extreme versions of both sides and i don't necessarily think that's accurate like i think if you feel that uh, the government should be taking more care of its citizens that doesn't make you an extreme left-wing advocate you know what i mean there's a difference there it just means that you you believe socially speaking on a, a degree of socialism. You're not you're not a communist at that point, um, and vice versa. I think if you feel that um, you know that the government should should do a little bit more for big business or or encourage encourage smaller business by investing in that through either tax breaks or you know or credits or whatever. Um, on the right hand side, that doesn't make you a Nazi. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you believe in, you believe that you know law and order should just be a bit better. You know, our our people should be a bit safer, or people should be entitled to slightly more freedoms than they have at the moment to do things. That doesn't make you a Nazi, right? But that's the paradigm in which it's viewed now. It's like you can't say something. You can't say, you know what? I think everyone should be covered with healthcare without being condemned to be in some sort of you know extremist communist who's you know. You know, basically one step away from Mother Russia or Maoist China, and <laughs> um, you know that then on the, on the flip side, you know, basically, you know, by by advocating, you know, tighter security on your borders makes you Hitler, which doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense. Hitler didn't really believe in borders; he just believed in occupying other countries to extend these borders. My teacher, yes, little Hitler. My desk is small. I need this Polish boy's desk also. Everyone gets the same size desk, little Hitler. My teacher, I will need the Czechoslovakian boy's desk as well. Little Hitler, where's little Pulaski? What's going on here? It's not my problem. Now, 
It's my problem. You tried to break the wall down. That's a Chris Jericho reference for all my peeps out there. Um, but you know what I mean? That, that, that's, that's where you are now. That's, that's, that's just exactly you. Like, it's so, so strange that that's the level these are the... that America's at now. It's extremities on both sides without people actually recognising that. Most of your politicians, uh, for the most part, for These most the... of their policies lean towards the centre than they do to the... Well, in fact, both of your big political parties actually lean more to the right than they do the left. The Democrats are more... If the Democrats were a political party in the UK, they'd be a right-leaning party. They'd be right of centre. They wouldn't be a... You know, they wouldn't be a, a left of centre party at all. Yeah, I mean, oh, the last a... two... Uh, I mean, both Obama and Hillary Clinton... Well, I mean, Hillary Clinton literally used to be a Republican, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, if it was the 80s, both of them would have been in the Republican Party. Yeah, uh, I mean, look at Clinton. Huh? Clinton, had very, Clinton had very strong views on law and order. Oh, very yeah. Nixon, uh, very Nixon rhetoric when it came to law and order. Um, so, I mean, he, he was certainly on the, he was on the, the right side of the center. Um so, yeah, you don't have any left-leaning parties in America. Really. Realistically, you don't. You have Bernie Sanders. <laughs> that, that By himself up yeah. there in Vermont, yep. screaming into the wind. <laughs> <laughs> you shall not pass! <laughs> Love this idea of him as, like, a, a Jewish Gandalf. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's... You, you were talking about the, uh, the extremists and how like uh, things are viewed that way, but yeah. a lot of... Uh, I guess, like, they're the... Uh, they're the loudest voices, even though they're even just like a tiny fraction of a percent of mm -hmm. actual citizenry. But then you have uh, the media is like kind of like if, a, if it bleeds, it leads type of thing where they're yeah. they're uh, they know that this is going to sell and inflame, inflame people and whatnot. So they th these are the groups that get the coverage mm -hmm. these extreme left, extreme right. Well, everyone else is like, uh, what the fuck is what the fuck is going on out there? Yeah, it's no wonder that so many people in your last election were disenfranchised not to vote. Yeah, and that's more people didn't vote than did. Well, we'll look at the choices. Yeah, without even looking at the candidates, I mean, yeah, I don't think a lot of people knew what they were voting for. I think that's you know that's deliberate. If you know what I mean, I don't think we get the same over here. Certain political rhetoric gets like the SNP in Scotland. Um, don't talk about independence that much in government, right? So they're they're in charge of the the and uh, uh, the Scottish government at the moment, and they will make points that well, you know, um, at the moment we can't help families with more money that are struggling to find work, etc., because the UK government uh, have cut the fund into our parliament, so. However, if we were an independent country, you know, we would have the right to control this, that, this and that, which would allow us to generate more wealth and funnel it there. Right. So it's a hypothetical situation. They're not saying in that sentence, we should be independent now. However, when they go to their conferences once a year, 
that's what dominates our conferences is yes, yeah, Scotland will be in the bit, yeah, because that's what they're that's what the people that attend these things, the party faithful, want to hear. And then they go into government, they get on with the day job of government, which is we're not independent, we need to get on, we need to do the job. Um, and that's what makes Trump so kind of head scratching, and that he's still doing the campaign thing. And that's why nothing's happening. He, he filed his uh, 2020 candidacy the day after the inauguration. Yeah, he's he's never he's never left campaign mode, so that's why nothing's happening, which makes him look happy. Um, but <laughs> that's why literally nothing is happening at all because he, as soon as he got in there, he realized that you know he probably didn't actually really want the job. He didn't want to do the work. All he wants to do is walk around and have people cheer him, build the um, brand. Uh, it's like yeah. what little he's getting done is, is are terrible things. But yeah, like it, I guess some on some level I'm like I'm happy that somebody's in there who everyone hates, the other politicians <laughs> hate. They're not going to work with him on things. So he's kind of like a for the most part like a lame like a early term uh, lame duck. Yeah, lame lame duck president really, and that that speaks to his approval rating. His approval rating is awful. Yeah. Um, he got a thirty-eight oh, percent on Fox News. Yeah, that's still like <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> I, like, I, I think I I think I personally like an unpopular president more than a, a extremely popular president. Like uh, uh, Obama was was a pretty popular president. And then before him, like it gives them gives them political capital more of it to use, yeah, which they do on Apple things. Like, like yeah, uh, George W. Bush was at ninety percent after nine eleven. Yeah, and then and use that political America. capital to go into a never-ending war. Yeah, as as that and that's exactly the, the issue is when when you are adored by the public and by the media, people are not doing their job, which <laughs> is holding you to account and seeing exactly what you're doing. Um, it's like the people like when when uh, Trump was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, and people were fucking doing hula hoops with rage. I'm like, that your former president won that award. Killed, murdered, murdered anonymous families with drone strikes. I mean, but people weren't talking about that. Well, maybe they were talking about it, but the mainstream media weren't talking about it. Um, and it's, I think uh, that's that's the. It's great that everyone's now talking about Trump, and you know, holding his feet to the the, the coals, so to speak. That's like, that's like awesome. Trump, Trump is an is an loud idiot that no one likes, which. Is good because then then people they're more likely to hold him yep. hold him accountable for the things he does. Just well, how does that? How does that? Yeah, the, the 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 issue is then if Trump is replaced by someone who comes in on a very positive rhetoric, um, and you know is is then you know high percentage of people that you know are are very much behind him, you know believe in him, polls very high, uh, the mainstream media kind of gets behind him. Uh, you know, there will be one side in that media that won't, but you know, for the most part, gets behind them and all the rest. How many, how many people that are politically motivated and you know, scrutinising what's happening in government continue to do what they're doing just now? And it'll all fizzle off because that's what happens. Um, when when things are comfortable, people get complacent. Uh, was, when things are uncomfortable, a... people try to find why things are uncomfortable. Um, was there another person in there who's like well spoken and personable, then yeah. uh, people will go back to doing what they were doing. 
Yeah, and it's, it's a shame because I think that at the moment your country is probably the most, on some level, not fully, but is far more politically aware of itself um, than it's been in a long time. You know, people are aware. Like, let's put it this way. See, um, under Obama, I knew, from an outsider's point of view, I knew Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State I knew that John Kerry was some envoy to the UN, maybe, or something like that, maybe. He used to be uh, Secretary of State also, before. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so I knew kind of that. Um, I would. I obviously knew Joe Biden was the, 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 the vice president. I don't really know that many other people in the administration, right? See, in George Bush's administration, I knew a lot of faces and a lot of names, like a lot of them. And under Trump's one, I know a lot of faces and I know a lot of names and that's because people are paying attention at the moment. Um, and that's why, you know, that's why uh, so many people are uh, stepping down from posts or being removed from posts because <laughs> the media is, is, is very much all fucking over them at the moment. Um, were, were the media doing the same under Obama? No. Uh, and it's like you say, very articulate, very personable. We I think we've said on here before, Regardless of your politics, you could you would probably sit and have a pint, you'd sit and have a drink with Obama, and you would probably listen to the guy talk for hours. Um, I he's like a it seems like a comes across as like you said a nice cool guy. Yeah, yeah, which exactly. uh, I guess Bush did at first until yeah. until the the backlash set in on him. Yeah, but and that's uh, yeah. So I mean. We've went so far off topic, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's... What are we I even think, here for? <laughs> people under the stairs, Mark. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think genuinely, that's, that's my... That's how I see things. Um, and I think that's the danger. I think the danger is that Trump maybe doesn't... You know, he either doesn't last his full four years, although I think he will. Um, and let's see, he does get booted out. Let's see, let's see the Democrats find this pretty awesome um, young talent who's going to lead the, the, the charge against them uh, and all the rest. And they, they get, the Democrats get all this power back. Um, I think a lot of people stop paying attention at that point. If it's going to be, you know, especially if it was as close as it was, um, and that last election, I think that's I think that's the danger, uh, and I don't think that's right. You should all like media should always like journalists should always be pursuing the truth to every single story, and not you know not picking and choosing what they want. They should always be pursuing the truth from government, um, and maybe we, you put too much importance the, uh, on that. The journalists but, that you're speaking of, they're like maybe there may be like a handful of actual consistent journalists yeah but uh, most journalists are you know like the public itself they have their own biases mm -hmm. their own uh i guess their own kind of agendas things they want to push things they want to you know keep keep on the dl yeah but i think that's fine i think my i think like no one's saying that if you're a journalist you have to be 50 50 and right down the middle every every decision you make in your life is factored in by your experiences, your upbringing, your personal ideology uh, or theology. That's just how we we do things in life. You have to do that. No one can be completely impartial. It's, it's impossible. That being said, well, um, on I some level, they're playing to 
they're playing to audiences. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Their their biases and, and things. Yeah, and I mean that that works. To me, it, it's a lot like like journalists are a lot like movie critics <laughs> or music critics, in that when you as a, a as a reader uh, find someone who pretty much agrees with you on on movies or music, you know, like the way they review, like if if I found a critic who was like, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the greatest horror movie ever made. And, you know, and he went through, you know, Ben Wheatley is a tremendous, like, upcoming talent and everyone should love Mike Flanagan and all this. I'd be like, these are my thoughts. I would follow his writings. So if he starts then talking about things that I know nothing about, I on face value are going to, I'm going to trust what he says because yeah. look at all this, like, simpatico, all this stuff that, you know, marries up. Um between us so I, i'm going to follow that and it's, it's the same with journalists so they start writing about a particular thing that makes me think you know i agree with that statement you know he's actually right I'd, I'd never thought of it that way but then when he starts talking about things that i don't know about i on face value i'm not away researching it because i'm not the journalist i'm taking what he's saying as as the gospel or you know yeah. as my version of the truth without doing the investigation yeah i try yeah. to um yeah, I obviously consume more crazy lefty media, but uh, I don't know if it was because <laughs> of this show or whatever, but my basic formula is I do try to find something near the middle, like National Public Radio. They they seem to try to be relatively fair, even though uh, their budget was threatened to be slashed by the current administration. <laughs> Uh, and then I'll do something like mother Jones and then I'll go something more to the right. I, I usually every once a month, I make myself read something from Fox, but I, I usually don't go that far because that's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but I try to have, yeah, the same story from three different angles and I sort of mix it up in my mind and it's easy that's to yeah. just be like, yes, everything, everything that Rachel Maddow says you know, is, is the only way to look at it. And I, I still haven't, I mean, smoke, you're probably the person that <laughs> I debate with the most that I've ever had on this show. <laughs> I have still, ha still haven't had anybody like argue just argues sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it's fun. It I like, fun. I like that. And I, I've like, every once in a while, I say like day. somebody I'm talk trash to Darren. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything going on today. I'm, I'm going to talk some shit about Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's uh, that that gets my ire up a lot more than you talking shit about Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I, you know, uh, I like I like to spread it all around different levels. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, here's a, here's a great here's a great kind of segue, not back to the movie, but a segue to further parts of this conversation. A segue from and, a segue. Yeah, we will eventually end up back in the movie, probably in the last ten minutes, where we talk about how amazing it is, uh, <laughs> or how we don't think it's amazing. I don't know. We'll wait and see. But here's here's a prime example of this, right? So we have like our own private chat, me, Derm, Smoke on um, on Facebook, and uh, we we tend to that was like originally to plan movies for our appearances. It's now kind of morphed into like sometimes kind of funny gifts, Alex Jones stuff. In particular, which I find immensely humorous. Lots of um, Alex Jones. Yeah, lots of Alex Jones. Um, but it's also come into we kind of post headlines from different news articles in there, and it's generally not because 
I don't know, I can't speak for you guys, but it's generally not because I necessarily believe what I'm posting is true, but it's more to say, well, look what I've just found. <laughs> and then it starts, a lot, it starts a little conversation between us where we're like, well, you know, how accurate is that? Or that doesn't quite make sense. And, you know, they're not really taking this into account. They're not really taking that into account. What came out of that recently, uh, airing dirty laundry on the air, um, was like the 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 kind of ongoing catastrophe um, that's still kind of circling the big hill dog, as as I call her, uh, hill dog from the streets, yo, um, <laughs> and all the 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 the, the really kind of insidious shit that's coming out about her. And what I said in that chat was that you know. And I was, it was on the back of something that Smoke said where I was like, I basically said, you know, I wish people would stop, you know, being so vocally active about Hillary Clinton in the way that they are as a kind of almost like a dismissal of what Donald Trump's doing. So Trump's doing this, but, you know, look at what Hillary Clinton's done. Right, that's not the right approach. The right approach is Hillary Clinton's done this really, really, really bad thing, Right. Donald Trump's done this really, really bad thing. Not a comparison, but these are two separate really, really bad things. Um, and like your your response, and this is the climate that we live in right now. Your response to me was, I don't think I've ever actually said anything, you know, like positive or happy or cheered on Donald Trump. And that's where we like that's where we are now. It's like you're forced to take a side um, on everything. You can't just have an. I can't just make a statement now. I can't just have, make a statement without someone saying, right, you're on this side, or what does that mean? Is that a veiled threat? You know, all these things. And I think that speaks in a really horrible way about where we are as a society now, like, that we're all pigeonholed into these little these boxes, like the these discourse. little groups. Yeah, and constantly pitted against each other in a way which doesn't seem fair. What I was, my my overall point, which was definitely not directed at you, although upon reading it back, it certainly felt like, if I would read that, I would have been like, what the fuck is Smoke saying? Fuck you, Smoke, bitch. Um, you know what I mean? Like, my, my point like, was I, that... I didn't, I didn't uh, think, like, yeah, I think you thought I took something the wrong way, but then I, I don't think I did. I don't remember yeah, taking offense to anything. Like, uh, I was just driving, and I was driving and texting. And, uh, <laughs> Yep, there we go. Something uh, the government's trying to keep you down by making that God. illegal in some places. Yep, Goddamn government it tells me not to drive and text can burn in hell. Yeah, the text and driving tongues of frogs again. Um <laughs> but like so but the what I was saying is that people regardless, I think they would have done the same if Hillary had got elected. People minimalize bad things that are happening because they can maximize what the other side might have done. You know what I mean? It's like, or, or what the other side has done. And that's not how you, the only way that that becomes a valid point is if you are gauging social reaction, i.e. what a lot of smoke does. Like smoke will say, you know, I can't believe everyone's like, like we're flipping their shit out because the mother of all bombs was dropped. Um, in Syria, I can't believe you know people are are, are flipping their wig out about that. Yes, I, you know, I, I think I think I think we had this like maybe drunk conversation. Smoke, you know, like I can't believe people are are, are going crazy about <laughs> then that. I, then I definitely yet, won't remember. Yet, yet, yet the previous administration murdered it was like five hundred people in one year, uh, unwarranted with drones, and no one talked about it. <laughs> you know, what I mean, no mainstream media was talking about it. I can't believe people are you know 
legitimately up in arms about that. It's a great thing that they are up in arms about it because it's a horrible thing. However, why was this not a horrible thing three, four years ago? And I think that's what's come down to now. It's just like, well, the other side did this. <laughs> oh, well, the other side did this. That's not an argument. Yeah. That is not an argument. It's the, an argument is it's a horrible thing. This is why it's a horrible thing. Oh, and incidentally, this is also a horrible thing. And look at what this is the reasons why it's a horrible thing. And people don't discuss like that anymore. And that is bad. That's yeah. not healthy. It's not healthy at all because all it does is marginalize your opinion further. Yeah. What aboutism is running rampant? And yep, what else is running, running wild? Rampant? Like Hulkamania. <laughs> yeah. Hulkamania, <laughs> run wild. Say your prayers and eat your vegetables and listen to these promos, and we'll be right back. I'm Cootie. My name is X. And I'm Chef Al, and we're your hosts on the Kiss the Goat podcast. On our show, we're going to break down some of your favorite devil movies from the past 50 years. We also drink and talk about religion. Which is a terrible idea. That is a great idea. And I'm going to give you some great recipe ideas to go along with the movies that we've been watching. We also answer questions from our listeners on every single episode. And I also frankly discuss my sex life at really inappropriate times. She does! I do! It's the thing! I tell terrible jokes saying what I'm drunk. And I haven't been paid yet. They said they would pay me, and they, uh... Kiss the Goat! Exclusively on the Legion Network of Podcasts. Uh, seriously? Can I get some money? God, just do the job, Al. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life. Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening.
That was quite a nice segue just now. <laughs> Duncan, what's he off doing? Jacking? Chugging. <laughs> chugging. Yeah. What, we chugging? Yeah, yeah. Chugging. We're, about we're chugging, chugging over here. You want to join? Yeah, ch- chuggins, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. It's an unfortunate thing that um, <laughs> that Americans say. <laughs> it's like it's those things that make us kind of giggle, like school kids, or this sort of thing. <laughs> it's like when Americans like say the word "fanny." Uh, when, which, yeah, when I was in England, the UK <laughs> UK is a vagina. Uh, so not a lot of aunt fannies in the UK. No, it's also it's like. Funny. Funny, I would say it, and it sounds so innocuous to me, uh, Fanny, but I would say that in, like in England, just to mess with the person I was with, she would get, she would get, she would be like, shh, don't say that. Yeah, that's like an insult over here. Like, it's an actual insult over here. You're like, shut it, you Fanny. You know what I mean? That's not, that's like an actual insult. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think that's, it's those sort of things, those small things where we're like, oh no. (laughs) Yeah, and like here you call somebody a cunt, you better watch your fucking shit. Well, yeah, and yeah, like that's literally, it's like pretty much a term of endearment in Scotland. It's like, like, this guy's a good, this, this guy's a good cunt. You know what I mean? We'd say that. that everyone's fine with that. Everyone's like, oh, they said that, they said that in prison here. Yeah. Or I guess in, uh, uh, in, in like New England, I guess you could say somebody's a good shit. That's, that's yeah. the closest I think we've got uh, yeah. when, here when, in the States. When we, when we stop, uh, when we stop, um, when we stop recording, uh, unless, are we recording? Yeah. Right. When we stop <laughs> recording, uh, it, remind it, me it. to tell you about something that I had to edit out of a, a very recent episode of the podcast under the stairs, which is a is a, a, a kind of colloquial Scottish term for something, which I just said without thinking until I came by to edit and I listened to it. And I was like, "That is offensive and racist." Um, that's not making the final <laughs> cut. Uh, it was only when I listened to it back with fresh fresh ears, so to speak. I was like, "That I should really stop saying that." Um, <laughs> yeah, but moving on, people under the stairs, yay! Yeah, we are but, wrapping but, but up it's... our people under the stairs conversation. Duncan, I trust you to let us know when you've just got to go. Um, hopefully, we've got. I time. have twenty minutes, gents, so we can we can nail this fucker to the wall in twenty minutes. Hell to the fuck, yeah, you cunts. <laughs> yep, yeah, cunt. Um, which is also a bad thing as well, though. Yeah, it's and all about inflection. Danny. That's how I met Danny Triops, and the reason I got invited on the Midnight Horror Show for the first time is that I wished Danny. And Mark, we're the only two guys that I knew from that show. Uh, uh, a happy new year, um, on <laughs> by basically saying, uh, "I hope you shower of cunts have a great new year." And Danny was like, "A shower of cunts, that is the greatest thing that has ever been said. You need to come and visit our show." So the rest uh, is history. I don't, I don't know what the fuck I did to get invited. I think you guys were just down a person. Yeah, but that's generally how I think they were down. Yeah, they were down the guy with the funny accent, and that's how I ended up on the show. <laughs> um, when Darren, when you first came on, I, I, I was like trying to figure out how to pronounce your name. I think I called you Dayron. Dayron, that's right. That's what that's what Baz calls him. Yeah, Day the Dayron Ron. Yeah, the Dayron Ron Ron, the Dayron Ron. <laughs> But later you're like, oh, it's just Darren. I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a fucking cunt. Nah, man, it's. <laughs> I've been dealing with it being mispronounced and misspelled my entire life. Don't worry about it. 
people don't even i mean i've had people be like does that say damien i was like do you see a fucking m in there i had a school librarian call me damien for three years all right i just started answering to it you know she just maybe thought you were the antichrist yeah. well you know i did bring uh in my pocket i i had a portable radio they'd be like don't sneeze no sneeze every time i <laughs> walked in nanny the room. to school with them and she promptly hung herself um <laughs> after that no one looked at him the same way again <laughs> do it for you darren um but anyway people have understand have you seen the uh... Have you seen the uh the Key and Pill skit where he's like it's the uh inner city, he's like an inner city teacher and he comes yes. Yeah, and he's like Jay Quellen. Where's yes. where's Jay Quellen? A A Ron <laughs> Oh, I did see that one. That one It's like one of the greatest things ever. Balaki. Balaki. <laughs> Speaking of is is uh uh, who is it? Key or is it Peel that did Get Out? Peel. Uh, Jordan. Jordan Peel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, what's he? Has he got anything new coming down the pipe? He does indeed. He's got like about three or four things. I think he's doing. I can't remember what his next movie is now, but um, more horror. Uh, I think so. I think he's staying. At, he's he's signed some deal with Universal, um, to oversee not only I think another two social socially conscious horror movies but i think he's also branching out into doing something for tv as well that movie made a lot of money by the way like no one no one was expecting that movie on a budget of five million to make the the couple of hundred million that it made so he he is like a lot of sway just now um like Universal snapped him up real quick to make sure they could say right you're now doing stuff for us for the next i think it's the next three movies and Get Out was so good. Fucking great movie. Then, it's just a great movie. Yeah. It's probably... It's going to be best. hard for me to unseat that one uh, from top two, probably, somewhere in there for the year. Yeah, the I think I don't, it's the best horror movie I've seen this year. By a the thing I don't get, and you guys probably slightly disagree, but I, I thought Stephen King's... Well, not, well, whatever it's called, but Stephen King's It, the latest one, was not great. I, I think... Everybody's on that movie's dick. And I, if I was to score it, um, if I had to put like a score out of 10, I would give it a, maybe 7.5, maybe 8 out of 10, um, which on a Netflix grading would be, what's that, 3.5 to 4 out of 5. I don't think it's a flawless movie. I think as a cinematic, big action, blockbuster horror movie goes, it ticked all the boxes for me. Um I, I don't think it was perfect by any stretch of the imagination at all. Um, I don't think it probably won't even make my top ten this year, uh, just because like there are there are holes in that movie that I'm like, uh, you know, that's, that's, but I didn't hate it. I didn't dislike it either. I sat down in what two and a half hours. That movie flew by like it would, like I was watching an hour movie. And I was entertained. I laughed. I thought some of it was really, really cool. I thought at times the movie was overtly vicious in a way which I kind of got behind. Um, and I genuinely, I, I cared for the kids in that movie. Um, I can't. There's not many horror movies that come out where I actually care for characters. So, but it's not a flawless movie by any stretch of the imagination. And people that are saying greatest horror movie 
of the last decade are wrong. Because, <laughs> like, if that's your <laughs> first horror problem. movie you've seen in the last decade, or if you're only going to see cinematic horror movies, then, yeah, maybe it's towards the top of that. But, yeah, there's, there's fucking loads of horror movies out this year that are that are leaps and bounds better than, than it. I just, thought it was like, I just thought it was a really fun fucking movie. I went to see it twice in the cinema. Right. Enjoyed it the second time more than I did the first time. <laughs> my, um, my main problem was uh, the clown, he's so ineffectual at killing kids and it's supposed to be like what he's doing like i, I could <laughs> if you want some kids killed tim... i can go out and kill kids yeah but was this tim guy, curry that effectual was was tim curry that effectual you know at killing I kids yeah, I, yeah. I, he killed the same amount of kids this... <laughs> he's just not yeah, good at problem, killing those with kids. the story itself then uh, pennywise yeah. is good at killing all the other kids just not the wizards <laughs> club kids yeah, which is fine. That's 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 you know that's cool because that's that that's the crux of the story. Um, I would say that it was more vicious in bits. There's a great scene where the camera pans over uh, when Mike's getting like laid upon by Henry Bowers, and the, the camera pans around, and Pennywise is sitting in the long weeds of grass, chewing a kid's arm and waving <laughs> the arm, severed fucking arm at him, and like that. That's just. It's just so fucking morbid uh, that you know, I kind of, I kind of love it. And then people were moaning about how he was dispatched. Yeah, in the original TV one, that's essentially how the adults dispatch Pennywise. They kick the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> they, they become all football hooligans and lay down <laughs> fucking windmill into him and kick the shit out of him while he's on the ground. So I don't like. I, yeah, I never saw that as a. I wasn't really a fan of the the old one either. I mean, it was better than. Like in the Stephen King miniseries rankings, it's it's not nearly as bad as The Stand, but oh, the I was stands not a fan are all the, the standards. <laughs> There's some really cool things in The Stand, but that's a long road. Uh, Jordan Those. Peele's next project, since you asked, yes. is a movie he's making with Spike Lee called The Black Klansman, about. <laughs> uh, Ron Ron Stallworth, a black cop in Colorado. This is a real case. Uh, who successfully this, this infiltrated the KKK? On a Dave Chappelle skit. Yeah, Clayton Bigsby. Uh, and it's gonna have what's his face, uh, Kylo Ren. Uh, uh, oh yeah, Adam Driver. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's he's gonna play a Jewish undercover cop. So I'm not sure who plays the black cop. Denzel Washington, <laughs> like literally Wesley Snipes, anything, anything, like, <laughs> Wesley Snipes and Denzel Washington are partners. And the uh, the grandpa in in uh, People Under the Stairs, that's the guy who shot Wesley Snipes in New Jack City. That was the first <laughs> thing it that popped up as soon as I saw him. I was like, he shot Nino Brown. God damn it! <laughs> I've not seen New Jack City in years. I love that in the New oh, Jack City. Boom, boom, boom. New Jack City is amazing. It's, it's might be might be top twenty all time for me. I, I need to I need to rewatch it. There's a character in that called G Money, isn't there? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> all, I, all I know is Nino Brown. I live my life like Nino Brown. <laughs> if you were trying to get somebody to watch People Under the Stairs, God bless you, Devin. What, <laughs> what are what uh what would you say? How would how would you pitch this movie? Smoke, I think you have to talk first. I would I would just pitch it as like it's kind of a a fun throwback 
I probably don't like this movie as much as you guys. <laughs> That's why I had you speak first. It's it's then really, Duncan's gonna say something so, really rad, and I'll be like, "That's right." Thank you, everybody. <laughs> uh, this movie is is so hokey, and uh, I mean, it, it's still fun at the same time. But and and it tries to present like uh, like the social issues, like inner city struggles and whatnot. But it's only like a surface surface area thing, just to propel the plot about. Uh, people who kidnap other people and keep them <laughs> and keep them under the house. Uh, but it's, I would just say it's kind of just a fun, it's a fun romp. There you go. Mr. McLeish. Um, yeah, I, I really like this movie. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, I think if I'm being fair to the movie, which I have to through reviewing it, uh, kind of in between all the political segues. Uh, <laughs> if I'm being fair to this movie, yes, Smoke is right. That for the most part, for the most part, this movie's socio-political message, which is being, you know, sashayed in, in the movie, is not handled great. It's very superficial. It doesn't really get into any meat, meat content at all. Like, there's no meatiness about the subject matter, out with this kind of idea of, well, you know, people that are pushed to the brink will do things which are, you know, are, are, are criminal. But look at who the real criminals are, the people <laughs> that pushed them there in the first place. And yeah, all the weird kind of mutant creatures under the stairs and, you know, gimpsets and all, all this wackiness and craziness over the top. That That is essentially what the movie's doing. That being said... Um, there are not a great number of horror movies from this time frame in particular that actually begin to look at that as something worth talking about um, and we, we start to get early 90s, we start to get more movies that are really kind of trying to find a way to put some sort of message into them, this isn't as politically active as you know the 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 60s or 70s in terms of the messages being passed by cinema it's not as vacuous and consumer laden and money driven as you know the 80s influx of horror movies um but in the, the early 90s you get movies that start to toy around with messages a great example is jacob's ladder which really like focuses on the idea of post-traumatic stress, um, you know, the, the impact of of the, the trauma that people are put through and and how that's manifested, uh, and how people are not looked after, not cared for when you know when they come back from from intense circumstances. So when you like you, these movies start to come out in the early nineties, there's not a whole hell hell of a lot of them because most of them didn't do particularly well. And I think from that point of view, I give this movie a lot of credit because at least it attempts to try and put those messages in. I don't necessarily think it handles them that that well. But echoing what Smoke said, what this movie is is a big bag of nonsense and a whole hell of a lot of fun. And I love it because of that. I love the fact that I can sit down and just go, how do you write something like this? You know, at what point you're like, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be Home Alone with Mutants. It's going to be this, you know, sadistic, you know, sadistic incestuous brother and sister who are Scrooge McDuck in their money away and, you know, and, 
and you know rigging their house to blow and why is Leroy in this one and why is he being given charge of a child um, and you know and poor Phil look what he's been put through but at the same time Phil you've just broken into someone's house that's not right um, you know there's it's just so much nonsense in this movie I find it's difficult not to love it because of the nonsense. Um, it's, it's like sitting down and watching a movie like Chud. It makes no fucking sense at all, but by the end of it, you're like, that was rad. So, yeah, that's People Under the Stairs to me. It tries to put forward a, a social message, a kind of political statement in there. It doesn't really develop it all that much, and it is very superficial, but that being said, I'm kind of glad they do it, and then I'm kind of glad that the rest of the movie is as wacky as it is. Nice. Yeah, it's a big bag of fun. It's kind of weird. It's kind of crazy. Um, I know uh, another thing that I liked is that it sort of reminds everybody that you don't know what happens inside a house. Sometimes mm-hmm. a house can become a trap, and uh, you know you don't. A lot of people aren't really aware of their neighbors. I know part of his like almost everything that inspires Wes Craven things. He had a dream and he read a newspaper article and yeah. the, the, you know, the newspaper article was about um, as these things happen. I mean, this just happened a couple years ago here. Uh, well, not here North in Cleveland, you know, a woman escaped from a house and she had been kept there as a prisoner for years and mm-hmm. nobody in the neighborhood knew. And the, the thing that Craven read about was somebody broke into a house and somebody called the cops, and when the cops showed up, they didn't find the burglars anywhere, but they did find two children locked in a panel behind a wall, uh, like 10 or 11 years old, and they only had a language that each other could understand. And yeah, like, like a lot of stuff Craven does, he points out how, uh, you know, people can be just as monstrous as anything you can come up with. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fucking love this movie. I'm glad we got to talk about this. Either of you guys want to plug anything uh, before before we say farewell for now? Uh, no, no. Uh, I, I would just like to personally thank you for having us back on the show and putting up with our nonsense, <laughs> for which for which means smoke the like have no off tap for the top. <laughs> Once it just starts, it just keeps going, and very much keeping in the tradition of what we what we have done on this show i look forward to coming back i believe it's smoke's choice next um which yeah which means anything goes so (laughs) hold hold on to your butts so yeah thanks everybody for listening thanks guys for stopping by until next time try not to be a dick uh (laughs) yeah just try not to be a dick and you know that smoke (laughs) in one ear out the other It's just some crazy liberal jibber jabber. Um, Goddamn snowflake bullshit. <laughs> bye. 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 He did what we all must learn to do. You and you and you and you. Yup. And cover.
heard screaming. Heard screaming. I meet my McDonald's. I uh, come outside. I see this girl going nuts, trying to get out of her house. So I go on the porch. I go on the porch, and she says, "Help me get out." I've been, I'm, I've been in here a long time. So you know, I figured it's a, a domestic violence dispute. So I open the door, and we can't get in that way because how the door is, it's so much that a body can't fit through, only your hand. So we click, kick the bottom, and she comes out with the little girl, and she says, call 911. My name was Amanda Berry. Now, did you know who that was when, you, when she said that? When she told me, it didn't register until I got the call in 911. And then I'm like, I'm calling the 911 for Amanda Berry? I thought this girl was dead. You know what I mean? And, and she got on the phone, and she said, yes, this is me. And the detective, uh, Cook, right here. Detective Gregory Cook says, Charles, do you know who you rescued? I said, I said. Now, and when did you see, when did you see Gina? About, about, about five, so, about five minutes after the police got here. See, the girl Amanda told the police, I ain't just the only ones. It's some more girls up in that house. So they went up there, you know, 30, 40 deep, and when they came out, it was just astonishing, because I thought they were going to come up with nothing. I figured, I mean, whoever she was, and like I say, my neighbor, uh, you, you got you got the, some big testicles to pull this off, bro, because we see this dude every day. I mean, every day. How long have you lived here? I've been here a year. Okay. You see where I'm coming from? Right. I barbecue with, with this dude. We eat ribs and, and whatnot and listen to salsa music. You see where I'm coming from? Yeah. And you had no indication that there was anything hey, going on? bro, not a clue that that girl w was in that house or anybody else was in there against their will. Because how he is, is I just, he just comes out to his backyard, plays with the dogs, tinker with his cars and motorcycles, goes back in the house. So he's somebody that you look and you look away because he's not doing nothing but the, the average stuff. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's nothing exciting about him. Well, until the day. <laughs> what, was, what was the reaction on the girls' faces? I can't imagine to see the sunlight, to be around Bro, people. I knew something was wrong when a little pretty white girl ran into a black man's arms. Something is wrong here. Dead giveaway. Dead Charles, giveaway. Charles, thank you very Dead much. Dead giveaway. Thank you very much for your time. And either she homeless or she got problems. That's the only reason why she ran into a black man. Charles, thank, thank you for being there, man.